to Voices of the Belt and Road podcast, brought to you by the Belt and Road Advisory, your professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belt and Road Initiative. Voices of the Belt and Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belt and Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build-up. On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. I'm your host, Greg Stedt. Today, we'll take a look at a country which has only recently started to welcome Chinese investments. With me on our show is Anastasia Raditya Lezhaic, a researcher from Institute for Development and International Relations in Zagreb. And we'll talk about challenges and opportunities within Sino-Croat relations. Anastasia, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Please tell us a bit about your background and your research on Sino-Croat relations. I'm a researcher in the Institute for Development and International Relations um, in Zagreb, Croatia. It's a public research institute funded by the Ministry of Science uh, and Education of uh, the Republic of Croatia. And I am a researcher working in the Department for International Economic and Political Relations. So basically, my um, field of research, which is also my field of research in my PhD, is uh, the bilateral relations of the Republic of Croatia and People's Republic of China. Can you give us a brief overview of relations between China and Croatia? When did the two countries actually started their relation and what are the key topics within their cooperation? Talk about the political relations itself. Of course, it started uh, off when uh, Croatia gained in its independence. So the diplomatic relations of China and Croatia started in 1992 soon after the independence of the Republic of Croatia. And um, the two countries have uh, had uh, many friendly uh, state visits, official visits, um, bilateral agreements and bilateral acts, uh, including uh, in the last two, three years, for example, the Memorandum of Understanding on Cooperation in the Framework of uh, Belt and Road Initiative, MOU um, during touristic season between the Ministry of Home Affairs of Croatia and the Chinese Ministry of Public Security. It's uh, some kind of uh, cooperation of the police for the security um, during the high touristic season in Croatia and MOU in the fields of ports and port industrial parks. So, so far, uh, politically, there has never been any dispute and uh, the relations between two countries have been very friendly. The key issues, though, uh, have been uh, mainly economic. Basically, um, a lot happened only after 2016-2017. That uh, is because China has not been yet any uh, main trading partner of Croatia. So the value 
of uh, Croatian export to China in 2016 uh, was only around 83 uh, million US dollars. But uh, it has been increasing and it has been increasing uh, really fast. Uh, last year in 2018, it reached to 125 million dollars. And it's, it's a, for a small country like Croatia with 4 million population, it's a, a very uh, rapid growth. So there is a big potential to the economic relation and the trade relation between the two countries. If we talk about the Sino-Croatian cooperation, we talk about the relation that is after 2016, because that was uh, the crucial year of, of the, the relations between the two countries. That was the year when the first Chinese investment came to Croatia, when the Zonia real, real estate from China invested uh, around 20 million uh, euros uh, in Krapinske Toplice in the northern uh, region of Croatia to build a residential and um, touristic uh, resort. That was the first, uh, let's say, presence of China in Croatia that was also covered highly by the media. And that was the first uh, investment in China that uh, triggered the talks about Chinese investments in, in Croatia by the general public. Except that first investment, of course, there are other key topics of, of Sino-Croatian cooperations, including company ownerships and the number of um, joint ventures that happened uh, between Croatian company and Chinese companies. Uh, for example, last year in 2018, it was a joint venture between uh, Rimac uh, Automobiles of Croatia with uh, the Kemal groups of China. Uh, the joint venture was estimated at 128 million euros and uh, they're focusing the cooperation in manufacturing batteries for electric cars. And of course, um, also for the last year and a half, uh, there is the issue of Belisat's bridge. Uh, which is um, a big um, project in Croatia, co-financed by the European Union and uh, will be built, actually is being built by a Chinese uh, company, the Road and Bridge uh, Corporation. So I think that um, these are the key issues of, of um, the Sino-Croatian relations so far. And... Um, There has been a lot of new interests um, in uh, modernizing and building the national football stadium uh, in Croatia. So this interest uh, came after the Croatian success in, in the Russia uh, in the World Cup last year. And uh, of course, the next big thing is the uh, 16 plus one summit that will be held in Croatia. Can you tell us why the Chinese investment in Croatia was almost non-existent until 2016? And what actually prompted the change? Why was 2016 so important? I think that if we want to talk about uh, why uh, the, Croatia, uh, the Chinese investment was sort of non-existent uh, in Croatia until 2016 or 2017, um, I think we can talk about three different points. The first reason I think that um, There was always um, the unknown element of China in Croatia. There was a sort of fear of China in our, our society in Croatia because, um, because we basically didn't know who they are. We did not know anything about China. It was something that was unfamiliar. It was um, something that uh, was just 
not part of the daily rhetoric uh, or, or uh, public talks in Croatia. So uh, it was just basically non-existent until we heard about our neighbors having success story with Chinese investment, such as Hungary with, with their projects uh, and, and Serbia, of course, and uh, Montenegro. And uh, in 2016-2017, when, when Serbia, Hungary and Montenegro had uh, their success story that was covered regularly in, um, in, in Croatian media, I think that was sort of a wake-up call for Croatia that that uh, China exists and that they want a cooperation, that we actually got a lot of potentials in Croatia for, for, for a cooperation. The second point, I think, uh, that until then, we were very dependent on EU funds. So um, Croatia joined the European Union as a full-fledged member uh, in 2013. And um, before 2013, we were very focusing on accessing the European Union, uh, using the pre-accession funds. And then after 2013, we, we had high hopes of uh, using um, the, the EU funds for financing um Many projects that were that were seen uh, needed by Croatia, but uh, I think that um, after a lot of uh, projects did not get financed, or or after Croatia uh, was not able to uh, use EU funds, uh, I think there was need to find an alternative. So like you know, we should try to find some other uh, sources of financing for the projects that we need that probably are not the priority of the EU. Um, so I think this was also a turning point where uh, Croatia then tried to find some new ways of gaining investments um, and, and increasing cooperation with China. I'm not saying that China uh, will come as a, an alternative for EU for Croatia, but because uh, Croatia is a full member state of the EU, which means that we we will have to uh, respect everything um, that we we agreed with the EU, but uh, it's, it's it's coming um, as you know another partner that we can work with. And uh, the third point, the Croatian bureaucracy. Last year in 2018, uh, the the research company GFK did a research in Croatia, involving a thousand uh, one thousand samples of uh, population and. Uh, they were basically asking the Croatian uh, people, why do you think that the Croatian, in, uh, the Chinese investment uh, in Croatia has been so low? And uh, 50% of the population, of the sample population, uh, said that it was the fault of the Croatian bureaucracy. 16% uh, said that it, it was because the Croatian government was not interested in Chinese uh, investment. And 14% said that it was due to the EU um, decision that we did not have any investment. Uh, 20% uh, stated other reasons, but I think it's, it's very important that we see half of, of the respondents. So 50% uh, basically blame the Croatian bureaucracy uh, for not letting uh, Chinese investment uh, went into uh, Croatia. Talking about investments and projects, what about the Paliesat's Bridge project, which can actually be a game changer for Sino-European cooperational infrastructure? Why is this project so important and how has it been progressing so far? So Paliesat's Bridge is a very strategic project, both for uh, Croatia and for um, the European Union. 
But also now it becomes strategic also for a Chinese side. It's a bridge that connects two parts of of the Republic of Croatia that had that well so far is separated by another country. By by connecting these two parts of the Republic of Croatia, you also connect um, two parts of the European Union geographically that was. Uh, basically separated with another non-EU member state in between. So I think that um, this is the reason why it was a project that was highly discussed, that was um, very uh, politically important for Croatia. But also, it is so far the biggest individual project that is funded by the Cohesion Fund uh, of the European Union. So it is also very important for, for, for the EU and the history of the EU funds. The fact that the Chinese um, Road and Bridge uh, Corporation won the tender that was uh, done accordingly with the EU um, tendering uh, procedure and um, the public procurement is also, I think, a very important um it's a big deal for the Chinese company and for, for China because this is the first ever the Chinese company uh, won um, tender through the public procurement process of, for the project that is co-financed by the European Union. Uh, so um, the bridge itself is co-financed uh, by the EU. Uh, so it's 85% co-financed. It's uh, around 375 uh, million euro from the EU side. And um, when when a, a, when a Chinese company won the tender, that was a very big polemic uh, and, and debate in the Croatian uh but also European, I think, uh, public space. And uh, you probably have heard that uh, the two other tenderers were, were which was uh, Austrian company Strabag and uh, Italian and Turkish consortium, they filed uh, a complaint or they appealed uh, to the decision. Um, they basically accused the Chinese company to have uh, put uh, dumping prices and uh, they accused them to have received uh, supports from the state, so from uh, the Chinese government. The appeals were rejected by the state commission uh, uh, in Croatia, and, and finally Croatia signed uh, to the Ministry of Transport, uh, uh, signed a contract with CRPC, uh, I think in April 2018, so almost a year ago. Since then, it's it's it has been uh, according to the the minister of uh, transport, uh, everything has been going on um, uh, as how it's supposed to be. So this um, this project, uh, the building of the the bridge, is I think divided into four different phases of uh, constructions, and uh, so far they have been meeting the deadline of each of the phases. Uh, so. Um, Local uh, community that live in around in the area where the bridge is being built were interviewed by um, national media, I think, a few days or a few weeks ago, uh, because they uh, see they supervise the project um, in person. And they said that uh, not only that the project has been going well, but also 
basically this construction site had been improving um, the business of the local people. So uh, the people who own shops, uh, who own um, restaurants and um, coffee shops, they actually see a very uh, drastic uh, increase in, in their business because there have been hundreds of Chinese workers, but also Croatian workers that are now located there to um, start uh, the construction Can you tell us a little bit more about the dynamic between the EU and the implementing China Road and Bridge Corporation? When it comes to large infrastructure projects in Central and Eastern Europe, we have seen projects causing tensions, for example, in the case of the Belgrade-Budapest railway project. How is the Paliesets Bridge project being handled? And is the EU watching it particularly carefully? There was, of course, tension, especially during the period when the two companies were appealing and um, there had been public debates uh, whether a Chinese company should win the tender or or it should have been won by a European company that should build the the bridge. Um, But I think... Uh, in my personal opinion, there there is no debate here. It was a public procurement process and the Chinese company won the tender. Uh, and then when the appeals were uh, raised, um, the commission that did uh, evaluate the appeals, um, well, and they decided that the appeals were groundless. And there is no not much to discuss here because everything was done accordingly, the feasibility study the uh, environmental assessment uh, and the cost and benefit analysis. So it was done accordingly to how the EU would have done any other projects. It's a good thing because it's not only that it's an entry gate for the Chinese company to do other EU funded projects, because this is this first uh, tender. And if they will complete the bridge, they will have a very good court and they can um, win other EU funded projects. uh, they will have good reference. And it's also, I think, uh, an eye-opening uh, process for the European companies to basically see that their competition is no longer a European companies, but also uh, companies from far away, that it's basically, you know, uh, that everyone is able to compete and they have to increase their competitiveness. But also, on the other hand, it's also a test of whether the Chinese company will finish the project accordingly to the EU requirements and EU standards. There had been, yes, there had been uh, some uh, sources and official sources that has has been covered by the media that say uh, how the European Union will uh, put some very uh, special and and stricter uh, measures of supervision during the project period, but um, there has been no official um, release uh, about it uh, so far. The project is going on. The contract is there. Everything is written in the contract. So we, we can only evaluate it once it's it's done in, in three years. Um, and I think that uh, it's not comparable with other projects such as the Belgrade Budapest uh, railway projects. It's it's not, you know, it's if you talk about Pelesat's bridge and uh, Belgrade Budapest railway, it's more of an apple and pear because um, Pelesat's bridge is not a Chinese investment. So it's clear it's an EU co-financed project that was 
that is just being built by the Chinese company who won the tender, while the other project is a, a Chinese investment. So I think that uh, the situation is very different. Uh, especially regarding the financing scheme. Um, I think that uh, earlier in, in, in 2018, the Center for Global Development uh, published um, the list of eight countries that have very high risk of not being able to pay back the debt, the debt that is created from Belt and Road Initiative projects. And um I think that one of his, one of, of, of it was Montenegro, uh, where the public debt was uh, expected to increase up to 83% of their uh, GDP, according to the World Bank, due to the highway, um, the highway project Barport to Serbia that Montenegro uh, signed contract with um, the Exim Bank of China uh, for 85% of financing out of a total of 1 billion US dollars. So they were questioning how Montenegro will pay that back. So I think that we don't have this element in the Palisades Bridge. It's a completely different, um, different case and different project. So as you mentioned before, Croatia is set to be the next host of the 16 plus 1 China Central and Eastern Europe Summit. How are the preparations going and what benefits does Croatia expect to see as a result of having the host status? So um, the prime minister of Croatia um, officially said, uh, I think last month or two months ago, that the 16 plus one summit will be held in the spring of this year, of 2019, in Dubrovnik. So not in uh, Zagreb, but it will be held in Dubrovnik. Well, there is no exact date yet, but we know that Croatia will host it this year. Um, since that we had a very late start uh, compared to Serbia and Hungary and other neighboring countries, I think that Croatia could use uh, a little bit more of uh, exposure and visibility so I think that hosting this summit is a good opportunity for Croatia to get this uh, more of uh, visibility of the country to be known more uh, from the Chinese side. Dubrovnik also hosted uh, the high level conference um, of 16 plus one in tourism uh, last year. That also resulted in a very positive uh, cooperations and, and potential of cooperations uh, in, in tourism sector. Uh, the Croatian uh, Tourism Board is said to be opening an office, a branch office in Shanghai. And also there has been negotiation going on uh, about uh, opening a direct flight between uh, Croatia and China because we don't have any direct flights right now. Um, the interest of a Chinese tourist uh, to come to Croatia has been um, increasing uh, very vastly. This is uh, quite important for Croatia because it's a country that has been living mainly from tourism sector. So um, Chinese tourists have been seen as a big uh, opportunity for, for Croatian tourism. So I think hosting the summit will also give uh, the same effect uh, as, as this last high conference, but it's just in other sectors that are also not only tourism, but also in, in, in business sector and, and, and um, 
people to people. And that closes it for today. Thank you for highlighting the most important issues of Sino-Croat relations. It was really informative. Thank you very much for being on the show, Anastasia. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. this week's Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road Initiative, check out our website at beltandroad.ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and dot ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.